Welcome to the House on Fire podcast. Our aim is to light a fire for Jesus in the homes of those who listen through encouragement and equipping. Let's partner together to advance the gospel in the next generation. I am your host, Lucas Jackson, and I am passionate about seeing more people on fire for Jesus. When you listen to the House on Fire podcast, you'll hear from people you can rub shoulders with every week at Bethel Church, because all of our guests are from our church family. These are people striving to love God, love others, and to serve the world. Thanks for joining us on this episode, and we are really excited to have Brad Smith with us. Brad, thanks for being on, man. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Gl- Glad we're able it. to uh, have a good conversation and to get after it here, man. So to start off with, man, tell us a little about yourself and your family. Well, I'm, uh, I'm 41. I'm married. I have three children, and um, we have been going to Bethel for about five years. Okay. Um, I don't know. I guess as far as anybody would know. We're a normal family, but don't don't dig too far into that. <laughs> yes, sir. What you do, know? What's your um, uh, wife do for work? Does she stay home? She has the hard job. She stays home with our children. So she has three jobs. Yeah, yeah. She takes care of me and, and attending to four, I guess. Right? Three kids and you. I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, my wife's name is Kim. Um, she might not identify me in public, you know, but <laughs> she's uh, pretty much the reason I'm here. Yeah. And halfway presentable. I couldn't imagine life without her. Yes, you know sir. what I mean? Yeah. But absolutely. Uh, she's given me three children and cut me off uh, to my dismay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's who we are. We, yeah. Um, my oldest, what's her, what's her background? Because speech pathologist. Kim is a speech pathologist. Okay, that's yes. what she was doing, and her passion, and then kind yeah. of stayed home with the kids, and still is a passion of hers. I think, um, you know, just kind of weighing everything, she was still working in it, but uh, it's hard to find childcare, and so yeah. it's sort of on pause right now. But no, she very much loves it, and and as far as anybody know, I, I think she's good at it. She shows interest in it. Yeah, and even I mean, studies it when. When she's not actually working in it, so yeah, for sure, yeah. So, and it's an interesting field, you know. Uh, yeah. She works in early intervention, so young kids. And so we're talking like like four or five, or even younger. Yeah, and okay. and sometimes even even before two, wow. I think. Yeah, and, and I they're never, like hardly talking by that age, right? If I remember correctly, right? Kids like they're not saying a whole lot. Well, I didn't. Yeah, I never would have thought there was a need for something like that, but uh, you know, some of the things that she said that she had been involved with, especially in her training. And it really makes sense. You know, I have I have experience with speech pathologists through my work, but it's really just, do they have an ability to swallow? Gotcha. And she um, sort of enlightened me on this dimension that, no, they really work on all aspects of communication. Can you, okay. If you don't have an ability to communicate traditionally, can you be taught or worked with to communicate your needs by other ways? It's a fascinating job yeah. um, and, and needed, but I think underappreciated. For sure. You know? Yeah. So yeah, that's what uh, that's what she does. Um, and what about yourself? I work at Sanford. I work as a physician. Um, I'm an infectious disease physician, so I treat um, both hospital and clinic patients, chronic infection like HIV, that kind of thing, yeah. and then uh, 
pretty much any organ can get infected. Anything in the body can get infected. So, <laughs> so we we yeah. advise on that kind of thing. So that's my that's my day job. Yeah. Um, I've been doing clinical medicine for um about thirteen years now. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I guess that went fast. But. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> And tell us about your kids' ages and and that. Just give us a description here of uh, so we kind of get an idea of, of what stage of life. Sure. In. Yeah. No. Outside of my wife, my kids are uh, the reason to live. Um, yeah. Oldest is Amelia, and uh, youngest is Abby. And in the middle, we got little Benny Buddy. Um, we stick together with all the women in the house, but um, yes, sir. Yeah, it's good. So it's age two, four, and seven. Okay. And. Okay. Uh, yeah. House is immaculate, um, you know, uh, really well put together. Our kids are always well kept. No spills on their shirts or anything like oh, that. Oh, I, I, I'm uh, only believing none of yeah, that. Yeah, so. I don't know. I don't know what your situation is. <laughs> oh, my, mine is the opposite, and uh, and and my wife does a ton of effort to make sure that that uh, it it the place hasn't burned down yet. Yeah. So, but it sometimes feels like it's. I'm like, who came? Where's wh- was there like 35? kids in this house today i mean it's just yeah you get it it's just no, the it's nature normal. of it you know? and and you learn to love it and and live with it and you know you at first you're a little bit embarrassed like oh you know our house is always with toys everywhere but hey that's the stage in life you're in let's you know jump in let's have fun i'm only going to be so. worried if you have little kid toys around when they're like right. 17 and 18 then <laughs> right. we'll get worried until then i think you're going to be okay no for sure <laughs> my wife's leaving this weekend on a girl's trip she gets you know she does this every year and yeah my goal is to keep the kids alive. Yes, sir. I, that's it. That's all. <laughs> that's well, and if they get an infection, you can you can take care of that. You know, so well, there's at least that benefit. Right, <laughs> that right. I, I can't do much for that, but you you know you got some training to help out sure. with this. So let's hope they don't need that. But yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, what uh, what campus do you, you and your family attend? You know, we got a couple of campuses, and what worship service? If somebody were were to kind of rub shoulders with you, where would they find you? Sure. We, uh, before we were involved in children's ministry, we were early risers going to the, to the 9 a.m. Yeah. Uh, we go to the, to the later service. Um, here at the Fargo campus. Yeah, here at Fargo. And yeah. usually hide in the back, you know, where the lights are low, right? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, uh, well, we, we were the family that would hang out in the foyer because we had crying kids. Okay. Right? So like either, would you be over by the coffee space or just like... Like on a couch. Like on the couch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, man, I love the fact that those are there. Because, yeah. dude, I can, you know, I got the window there. You can still at least kind of experience it some. Yeah. And then, you know, my kids wailing. Well, I'm not, you know, I'm yeah. only interrupting those right next to me, but they're out there for the same reason. So, and I, and I think this church is pretty good about being understanding about kids make noise. And that's what they do. I've been to places where, man, you get, oh, you get yeah. some ice. And, you know, we, we want to be courteous to the people in the sanctuary. So we're, we're kind of beyond that stage, but we're, Glad that we go to a church that I think understand the kids have the wiggles and yes, sir. It's because <laughs> that's important, you know. Um, uh, but yeah, we're we're beyond that, so we're slowly moving our way towards maybe the middle. Yeah, in a few years, yeah. and work our way up. I don't know. <laughs> yes, sir. But well, I would echo. I, I agree. I think I have appreciated that about being at Bethel. There's you know, there's always you know little squirmy kids going on, and not even just mine, but. And and the one thing I love about after service, kids are just running around. Yeah. And I'm like, this is awesome. I'm yeah. like, if there's ever a place for you to run around and jump over a seat or whatever, yeah. this is the place to do it. Yeah. Like so it t- tells me they feel comfortable. 
They love being here. I just, so it yeah. gets me fired up. So um, if you're listening, you should probably not tell a kid at church that please stop running around and having fun. No, you should probably encourage the out- right. and the opposite of that. So um, anyway, what life group or discipleship making group are you and your family involved in? We uh, lead a life group for young families every other Sunday. So it's like 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 uh, late twenties, early thirties, Any, something yeah. like that. Well, anybody anybody's welcome. Okay. But um, so you have an open group. People are you, you got space to, for others to come in. Yeah, or, we'll find room. Yeah, I mean, um, if you need a place to go, but we we kind of we kind of gathered together because we were we were families who had kids and we didn't really yeah. know where to meet. So for a while, we were meeting Sunday mornings okay. in one of the rooms because you know Sunday mornings uh, we would have. Uh, children's ministry available to watch yeah. the kids. Then we'd all gather for the second service. Yeah. Um, the old leader um, moved on to teach some classes, so I've okay. been leading. We moved to Sunday afternoons around three thirty every other Sunday. Okay. And uh, it's chaos. There's kids slamming doors and running around, and we fill them full of sugar and send them home. Yes, sir. With their families, and uh, it's great because we're, we're families that I think we understand the noise kids make, and we're all okay with it. Yeah. Um. So that's what we're doing right now. Um, we beat in our home, and we've been doing that for about a year. Okay. Um, and that's a new experience, too. Um, I never led a group of any kind. Yeah. So uh, that's been a growing thing, um, but it's a good group. So it's mostly, it's it's families with kids, um, but we, like I say, if somebody needs a place to go, like, yeah. we're not going to turn them away. Yes, sir. You know? Yes, sir. And remind me, I think... You've got a certificate from Moody Bible Institute, right? You just for one day are like, man, I got some free time. I'm going to get me a, you know, a certificate from Moody online, right? Kind of. No, not really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I probably, yeah, no, probably yeah. wasn't quite like that, but <laughs> sorry, that was a way, that was my way of saying how it went down, but. So I'm going to, yeah, no, uh, I mean, it, it's a master's degree program through Moody Bible online in biblical studies. Yeah. And. Uh, so it's not a certificate. You actually have a master's degree. Well. I mean, Not look, that it I, matters. I mean, I no, just, it doesn't matter. But like, just for the record, like I've I've been to grad school. Like this isn't grad school. This it's an online program. I think Moody needed money, so they're doing this thing. <laughs> but I'm not really doing it to. I mean, I've got degrees on my wall, and it's yeah. calligraphy, toilet paper. Like it doesn't matter for like, sure what you got on your wall. And this this thing, like I don't really see it as the same as like a master's degree. Had somebody gone for sure. and done the rigor of an on campus program. Um, but you did but, the same work. I mean, it was online, but you you still did the work. That I they... think it's I think it's a little diluted. But I mean, I'm doing it really more for. It's really hard to get out there if you want to study the Bible in depth, and you need direction. Like that's the that's the value of it. Is you have guided teaching, right? So, from like legit dudes yeah. who've been like, I mean, right. all those degrees that that you have for what you do for work, they've got multiple, I mean, they've been studying and teaching the Bible for like yeah. before I was alive kind of thing. Yeah. So, so, I mean, so it's, I mean, it's just like, you know, when Bible bookstores were still around, you know, it's sad to see them dry up, but yeah, you know, to go in there and find something like, it'd be very difficult. You know, there's Bible studies available, but they don't really go in depth. So when you really want to tackle, like what is the historical literal context and the translation here? What does this mean? Um, like that's hard to pick up on your own, and if you don't know even to do that, yeah. Like I didn't even know the word hermeneutics until I entered this program. Now I realize that's actually very important. The science and art of biblical right. interpretation. And I'm not saying I'm a anyway literate in this issue, but to For know sure. that the Bible has a meaning. Yeah, it was spoken to an audience with an intention. Like it's not really up to us to 
move in our own presuppositions on it, right? Yes, and sir. I, and yes, sir. I would have moved through my whole adult life not knowing that, right? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, forget the degree part of it. The value has been yeah. immense on a spiritual aspect yeah. of, you can't, you can't engage scripture and not be changed on yes, a sir. deep level. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. And so that, that's kind of been the thing, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm 11 classes in, I got one more to go and I'll be done. Okay. My okay. wife says no more school. <laughs> Well, I yeah, so. maybe until after the kids are a little older, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe when grandkids come around and get you, yeah, for, you know, <laughs> get sure. a little more. Well, it makes me think, that's a, a question I haven't thought of, man. And if you're somebody out there that's asking questions like this, like we're in, in your position, one big recommendation I would give is I'd get Logos Bible software. Yeah. Like, and, and you're right, like a lot of the seminary type books that I had to purchase for undergrad or my, you know, master's degree or whatever... You're not going to necessarily find those in a life way. No. I mean, you'll find them on Amazon, I guess, you know, like, but, but if you don't know where to go, so a Logos Bible software um, would, would be a good place to start. And you probably had to have that, right? You, I had to have it. Okay. And did, was that beneficial for you? It was helpful for the, for the requirements of the program. Um, but it's a robust program. I mean, there's a yeah. lot that goes into it. It's, it's pretty robust. There's a lot. I think, I think a good way to start would be a pretty respectable one-volume Bible commentary, and was, you yeah. know, like the Moody Bible or the Bible Knowledge Commentary. Yes, sir. Both those are Because awesome. those, are, those are good ways to get your feet wet, and yeah. you're not tackling some 85-volume whatever, because those yeah. are pretty intimidating and thick and, and you know. Yes, I mean, you, I mean um, you're looking three, four, up to six inches, and yeah. that, 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 that's intimidating. But if you want... To have pretty well respected authors, peer reviewed stuff, yeah, and you 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 want to respect the word for at least what people have thought about what Paul or whoever is saying, not just you know I'm going to put my own spin on this here. Yeah, yes, sir. You can at least start from somewhere. Yeah, you know, I say, well, I don't want us to start with some guy's opinion. Well, you start somewhere and you get a couple others in there too, and get a couple yeah. other comments. There's a lot of commentaries out there that are pretty easy to handle, but for sure. Um, and it makes me think too. I mean, we've got. There's uh, somebody who used to work at Moody Bible Institute. Ham may be the last name. I forget. I could be. I never met him. I feel but, bad about but that. But this, he's still at our church. Him and, his, yeah. him and his family, if I remember. Anyway, my point in saying that is he. There's a uh, in one of our adult Bible classes or whatever in the basement. There's a, a classroom with like legit books yeah. that you're talking about on both walls. I mean, it's like yeah. twenty bookcases. And so there's been other some people in our church who have donated so yeah. if you want to you want to access a insane legit good commentary or something like that for sure we've got a room full of stuff oh i've rated it yeah and so okay so yeah, you, yeah. you've seen it okay yeah did, did you steal the books or did you bring them back no i'm just, I'm just messing I, with you i borrowed them you borrowed them that's um, great that's why they're there like the intention of bringing them <laughs> hey it's all good bro that's why they're there like so anyway so that'd be a great place to to start too anyway yeah. that has nothing to do with the conversation at hand today but um uh but there is a lot of value in uh, intentional, purposeful people pouring into your life from a biblical, per- like getting that. Oh, I highly recommend it. I mean, it's, it's, it's transformed my life. Yeah. Um, and you know, so I'm getting their master's program. Uh, I know you didn't want to talk about this, but there's other ways to do it. This is there's other things out there and, yeah. and you don't have to go full on. Part of it is knowing yourself. I knew that if I didn't, if I wasn't held accountable to a program, heck yeah. I mean, I drop money to do a class, so I'm, I better study, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, some people have the motivation they can work through a thing on their own. Yeah. Uh, One year Bible study or whatever. You know, I admire those people. It's amazing. Yeah. I can't. 
Yeah. If I don't have something that forces me to get out of bed, um, but there's other things out there. There's one year Bible certificates. There's there's a lot out there. Yeah. I just didn't know about. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, Moody just seemed to fit, and and so far I've, I've been happy. But yeah, forget the degree part of it. It's not the issue. It's the yeah the value you get when when you're you're forced to examine scripture on a deep level. Yeah. Um, it, it somewhat gets tedious, but uh, yeah, I, it's changed my life. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. And you're right. There's a lot of stuff out there. I mean, I know even Logos has a, even a lot of training videos or whatever on YouTube, or even you know the Gospel yeah. Coalition has got tons of sermon. I mean, yeah. The the access to really good teaching or biblical truth or or explanation of biblical truth. There's a lot out there. Yeah. And maybe we need to do a conversation on that in the future just to explore all of sure. those things that would be yeah. beneficial for people. So, well, the conversation we're going to have today is serving in an unexpected area at Bethel or at church. So you kind of, you know, I mean, I've only known you for, I don't know, eight months or something like that. And and you've kind of had a, a perspective of how you were going to serve. And then kind of God did some interesting things and you found yourself serving in an area that you weren't really expecting. And yep. so let's kind of flesh that out. So um, what way did you think you would be serving at church and why? Like, you know, before you kind of got into the area that you're in now, like what were you kind of thinking when you got involved in church here at Bethel and stuff that you're like, you know, here's an area I think I'm going to I'm gonna dive into. But so what were you thinking that you potentially would do? Well, I mean, I'd, I'd be lying if I said there was a thought okay. to really even just dive in and serve. Like I'm a consumer, right? I want to sit on my backside and yes, sir. check out and you know, not think about a lot. And, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of transformations happened over the last several years. And, you know, part of that was actually, you know, not to keep plugging school, but I started going to school and, you know, I understand adults, like my, my natural realm is adults. I work with yeah. adults professionally and, uh, sometimes I act like kids, but you know, what I mean? yes, sir. But, um, we got more involved with our small group that was previously led by one of the former elders. Um, and I, I just naturally thought, well, if I do get involved, maybe I'd like to do a Bible study or maybe teach, you know, some become literate enough in scripture to be able to teach, uh, yeah. Romans or something. I don't really know. Yeah. But work with adults. Right. I mean, um, that's a comfortable environment for me. Yeah. And so, and I had the experience in kids ministry, but it's not, you know, I, I've known I wasn't good at it. It's just, I thought that stage of my life was done. Yeah. I love my kids. And part of the reason, really, that's that's why I want to go to school. When you have kids, you you know, you realize you got to teach them something. Right? <laughs> well, you better, better teach right, them something, right. but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I knew I didn't know what they needed. Yeah. And, how, you know, that's so that was part of a factor on why I'm doing what I'm doing through Moody. Yeah. Um, it's been, you know, uh, it's it's been such a, blessing beyond what I ever expected. Yeah. But I could not articulate scripture. I could not walk anybody through mm. the Bible. I couldn't articulate my own faith or even defend why I claim Jesus Christ, yeah. right? And so and that might be the case for a lot of people. I'm not I'm not oh, I, dogging yeah. people on that, but Yeah. So you you kind of found yourself like you're like hey, I'm attending church consuming. Yeah. You're you're coming but not necessarily maybe finding a way to serve or to, to, to be more of an active role. So then you're like, you know what, I'm going to, maybe I need to serve in some way. Right. And so you were thinking naturally be adults. 
Well, yeah, sorry, I didn't get off track, but no, um, it, it just happened. So I, uh, there was just, there was just some small stuff happened in children's ministry and, you know, as you, your kids get older and you kind of start to pay attention what they're going into. And so yeah, not to really go into any details. I just, I just talked to some people in the church say, you know, um, if we're going to go right here, is there actually any way we could go left? I'll just leave it at that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I know I'm asking a, a change here, so I'm willing to throw down and help out. Yeah. Here's a blank check. Tell me what you want me to do. Yeah. And I, you know, I got some experience with kids, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like I was dying to work in children's ministry. You know, I just don't, it's not my natural element. I'm not comfortable around children. Well, you, okay. Um, you say that, but I mean, we, you and I both serve fifth grade on Sunday mornings. Okay. And, and you serve on Wednesday nights as well. well yeah. what's, what's your role on Wednesday nights? I'm a, I'm a director for, uh, what age? Third and fifth grade boys. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Third so, through fifth grade. But like when I look at you, I'm not thinking, oh man, Brad looks like he's about to go crazy over there. It's a but, learned behavior. But in but internally, you're saying that you're like, this is not like you're. It's not fully comfortable, or you're just like, man, what the heck am I doing here? Like, what's going on in your mind? It's it, you know, well, I mean, I I did youth ministry by way of church camp counseling. All right, I did young life. Um, I was voted most likely to fight a camper when I was a, when I, I was a, you know, a camp counselor. Like I just, this it just awesome. was not a natural thing. And people recognized that and told me the truth, Yeah, you know, in whatever way. And that's fine. Like I just, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not good with them. It's awkward. I don't understand like why kids need to sit there with a fidget spinner. Why can't you pay attention? What's wrong with you? You know what I mean? I mean, it's a legitimate question. Listen to things you know, like Doja I, Cat. What's Doja Cat? I don't know. Like these, I just don't understand them. I don't understand yeah. the world they're in, their mindset. My wife is is in tune with children. She understands their needs. Yeah. And if there's any appearance that I'm actually comfortable with kids, it's it's really just like, I've okay, I've, this isn't my first rodeo. And it is, like, I watch people interact with children and how they do it. Yeah. And, you know, that's part of what you do with anything in life is you, you kind of imitate what you see. Yeah. Um, and you got to jump in somehow. Uh, it gets better. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm completely uncomfortable with children now, but you know, so often we look into serving where our, we think our natural talents lie. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if that's always the right thing. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily think the scripture says, well, if you're not, this is, if this is your natural talent, that's where you should be. Yeah. Um, I think there's, there's some value in being uncomfortable, you know, yeah. and, and doing things that are outside your you know, uh, skill set, I guess, so to speak. Yeah, for and, sure. Um, yeah. I, so you landed in kids ministry, basically. How long have you been serving in kids ministry? Three years. No, two and a half. This will be my third year. Okay. So this yeah. is like, I guess. So, right so I did a year program. of Awana, a year of Sunday school in Awana, and then this will be my third year of both. Okay. All right. And what has surprised you most about serving in kids ministry? Oh, I don't, I mean, where to start? I don't know. <laughs> Just mention a couple. I think, um, the biggest thing is, you know, you can you can enter into a process. Like I started in children's ministry mostly because I, I was like, well, listen, I'm you know, if we can do some things, I'll help out. You, I think it's possible for a lot of people to kind of backfill in reasons to say, I know I'm supposed to be going in this direction. Yeah. But I didn't know this was what was going on. You know what I mean? And yeah. I guess what I mean by that is like, the more you get to understand kids, and I'm not saying I understand them, but you understand the state of where kids are at in kind of our culture today. Yeah. I think we all know kids aren't okay, but I didn't realize how, 
like I really worry about them. Like yeah. I really worry about the kids growing into the to the world that we're we're handing to them. Yeah. In a lot of ways, helplessly, we we can't do a lot. Yeah. I don't think our kids are well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's been one of the most surprising things. And it's it's kind of like the house is on fire. I'm not naturally talented with children. I may have developed skill with some experience. I think it's possible, but a natural talent I just don't have. Yeah. But that doesn't matter. Yeah. Our children are in a in a real position of jeopardy right now. I don't think we uh, really value our children in our society. Give me an you example know? of that. Like, like what what would you mean that we don't? Because I, I would agree overall. Like I, I don't. I totally agree. But give an example of what you mean by that. You know, to understand. Biblical truth is important, and we are like, especially within the church, right? Yeah, I'm not a numbers guy, but I, you know, there's a few numbers that tell stories. And how many children are aging through our churches and leaving to never to return? Yeah, that should that should be uncomfortable for everybody to to experience when they when they when they hear those numbers. It's it's single digit percentages, if I understand right. Yeah, it's they're. Uh, yeah. They're leaving, they're going to college, and they're not returning to the faith that they were raised in. And there's a lot of factors that could play into that. I'm not going to pretend to know why. For sure. But the bottom line is we're not asking them to make good career choices. The The truth in the Bible and what it tells and the God behind it that tells that truth is that you stand before God one way with or without Jesus Christ. Yeah. And... and uh, I don't think our kids, I don't, I don't know if the church universal feels the urgency of that. Mm. Right. And so we, we kind of airdrop them into a world that you can pretty much find justification for any worldview and a worldview will find them yeah. if we don't help them. It, it looks, you know, it's amazing. And you probably experienced this too when you have kids, like how much is trying to find your kid's attention Yeah, and you don't want to shelter your kids, but they're not fully formed yet. Yeah. And and how how do we equip them to make sense of this world? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even even within the church, that kind of going on. I don't mean to do that, but you can you can find just take the biblical sexual ethic, right? What what does the Bible say about an appropriate relationship? Yeah. You can find anybody under the banner of Jesus Christ saying pretty much anything. They're claiming to be a Christian, right? Yes. And you'll find that within the church. Now, that's a very scary thing to me. It doesn't scare me to see yeah. that there's a world outside saying that. For sure, yeah. But our, our children need to know truth, and I think if we're not really metaphorically grabbing them by the lapels and saying, listen, yeah. we, we're going to prepare you, you know, yeah, then sure. we do them a disservice, you know? Yeah. And so that, that's that been surprising, kind of coming into children's ministry. Yeah. There, seeing that. There's a lot of factors that go into that, you know. There's some are single dads raising kids, some are yeah. grandparents raising kids, some are single moms, some are broken homes, some are fam, you know, parents, yeah. you know, that are still married and and it's messy. And so there's a ton, I mean, I don't even know if it'd be possible to list out all the factors that would go yeah. into some factors are economical, some are just, you know, we're we're just sinful. I mean, even just the categories things we put under just the sinful things we do. Yeah. And so I it's a it's a robust, complicated. Uh, I don't necessarily think there's one answer. You yeah, know, in many ways. No, I hear you. I 
but for you, like you, so you saw a need and you're like, by golly, I'm going to, I'm going to be a part of the solution. It's, it's been more of a motivating, motivating factor to stay in. Yeah. Cause it, you know, at first I was like, you know, uh, whatever, you know, <laughs> what, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? Whatever. I was going to volunteer for Awana. Stand by the door. Make sure no kids leave. They get the John three sixteen and we're out of there. Right? Yeah. Going to bed yeah. Wednesday night. But then it's like, as as I'm going through this, my my life is being changed by Scripture. Yeah. And what well, what do we do if we don't point our children to that? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, so that I mean, yeah. It it I I think you can be. I think God can move you in a direction. You don't really understand why you're doing it, but you get a sense that you're doing probably the right thing and then you realize oh this is this is actually a very important deal yeah. and and you really want other people to adopt the same mindset yeah. um and that's what i would hope for our church you know and really any church i i, I believe it i think the highest priority of any church you walk into is going to be their children you and know so i i mostly agree yeah well because i would include students in that category yeah but nonetheless nonetheless but why 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 is that such a because I've heard you say that many times, and I love it, and I, and I agree. Yeah. But, but why? Because how how will they know how to interpret, how will they adopt a worldview if we don't hand it to them? Everything that will approach them will be counter, yeah. pretty much. I mean, yeah. there might be some remnants of a, of a culture that was predominantly Christian, if you could say it was ever, but For sure. that's fading. Yeah. All right? And and when our children grow old, and and if they do come back to a faith that they were raised in, uh, will there be a church for them? Yeah. You know, a lot of churches, it's very, you know, you have to be discerning, right? And I'm not, I'm not saying every church out there is a sham, but it, you know what yeah. I mean? There's, yeah. we're, we're, we're coming into a different age where I, I don't think, um, it just wasn't, wasn't when we were kids, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be nostalgic to a time that probably wasn't even good itself, but. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If, I if feel, our, yeah. if our, I mean. If our children don't know how to enter a world, and at least at least if they don't know how to understand truth or interpret it, at least they know well where truth was. Yeah. If they, I don't, I don't know if they never were brought to that point. Yeah. What what kid? And I don't care if they're in a godly home where they're being exposed to scripture all the time, or they're not. Like you yeah. can't inoculate your kid from some of these realities that will hit them in life. They're yeah. the possibility they're going to experience cancer, a loss of a loved one, or divorce or job loss like yeah i don't really know that kids are going to come to christ and come to a realization of their faith when they're young but man when they're 30 and if they haven't had that like oh i know truth is here let me dig around a little bit and the holy spirit will lead them yeah but yeah for sure yeah i'm I'm, we've talked about this you know uh it's where it's fired us both up but there'll be a phrase that and i don't think there's maliciousness in it but but there'll be phrases that people will say like, well, I did my time. Yeah. And I, and I, everything in me is like, okay, Lucas, in my mind, I'm like jumping across the table and, and wanting to <laughs> metaphorically, yeah. you know, yeah, for sure. <laughs> do things I shouldn't do. But, uh, that's what I'm thinking inwardly, not where I'm like, okay, trying to keep the cool, you know? And, but that stuff, that infuriates me in ways that I, I, I just, I wish I didn't have to get that infuriates me in ways that I don't like. Yeah. It makes me think things that, that are not good. And, and it makes me mad when people say things like that. 
Yeah. And I and I, I don't think there there's some maliciousness into it where they're they're trying to say, well, you know, we we you know, we don't value other people. But in some sense, I, when that, when I hear that said, I think to myself, I don't know if you're on board with who we are as a church, and not only even as a church, but as a follower of Jesus, and the desperate need for us to value discipleship. Yeah. I don't get that sense when people say those phrases to me. No, I, I hear you. I've never had anybody personally say it. I've heard of it being said. Um, I don't know how I would respond because it doesn't make a lot of sense when you when you look at the examples of Scripture. They just I don't know that that paradigm is laid out. You know what I mean? It, yeah. There's there's very much. I mean, well, especially in the New Testament, there's a lot of it's very directed language. Go and do right. Go and make disciples. Yeah. I, I don't know if it says enjoy your sunset years and you know <laughs> or whatever. I mean, yeah, I, I would agree, man. Yeah. I mean, there's. Uh, Titus, the book of Titus talks about older men pouring into younger men. I know. Older women pouring into younger women. There's a biblical mandate here to go, therefore, and make disciples. Well, yeah, there's some assumptions there that, that we could make about that passage, and that, that, and that doesn't mean we just go and save people. That means that believers get after sharing your faith, encouraging, you know, uh, building each other up, all of these things, like get after doing this with other people. Yeah. And and if we're not doing that, and I, I don't want people to feel ashamed, or, but I do want them to feel a sense of urgency. Like, if they're not a part of that, then then I, I pray and hope that they'll be like, okay, why am I not a part of that? And w- what is it going to take for the Lord to fire me up for me to get after it? Yeah. So I don't I don't think it condemnation or shame is what believers should should experience or think, but there should be a, a sense of urgency. To yeah. get a part of the discipleship making value that scripture emphasizes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I and you know, you mentioned you mentioned older generations speaking into the lives of of younger generations. I, I we could we desperately need that. You yeah. know. I you know. I don't know. I I mean I it 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 I, I wish. I hope. We, I know what I'm going to say is is probably going to be a little bit inflammatory, but as long as you just don't say any cuss words, Brad. You know no, I mean? no. Just you know, you decide if you want to edit this out or whatever. <laughs> just, I trust you. You'll be just. But I, I just think. Um, first of all, I, I try to be sensitive to the issue that you know maybe I don't fully understand how God's calling other people to work. Oh, that's good. Right. That's, so that's, that's good. So yeah. when I feel myself getting angry and when I hear people saying, "Oh, I did my time or whatever." Well, maybe maybe they are being called to serve in another area or maybe they did serve yeah. in kids ministry but now they're maybe, I don't know, doing something else, but For sure. Uh, so I don't I don't want to assume that they're not thrown in somewhere. I think I think the yeah. Bible's pretty clear on. And I I think the phrase I tell myself from my outside perspective, like I don't live in that person's home. Right. I don't live in their head. I don't really know the whole story. So I have to tell myself, well, from my outside perspective looking in, this is what I sense, but I could yeah. be wrong. And I yeah. I need to recognize that so that, that way I don't walk around thinking that other people are lazy because they're not doing what I'm doing. Yeah, for so sure. That, that's good. You know. But I think when you when you bring up the idea that older you know we need older generations to speak into the lives of our younger generations like we we desperately need that in in yeah. our church our church i think churches period yeah i mean i don't know if this is true but i'm we we have a short we have a smaller circle of friends we're not you know we're kind of homebodies but whatever yeah um but i just anecdotally i feel like i've i've talked to way too many people of my age group with 
kids around our kids' age, and they're noticing a real absence of older generational involvement in their kids' lives, whether that be from their parents or other people in the church. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what your church experience was like, but I remember when I was a kid, I mean, there's old ladies and old men crawling over the place because they, they, they were involved in the church life. It was a small church, but yeah. I remember these people. And no, they weren't very cool. And I annoyed them and I, you know, whatever, but they spoke truth into my life. Yeah. And yeah. We, we need that. I think we need our kids to see that if they enter a faith with Jesus Christ, they're entering into a community that has been around for 2,000 years. Like, this is not something trending. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Like, this is... Yeah. And we've been studying this book for 3,500 years, like, parts of it, you know? Yeah. Like, this is more solid than... And that'll come through. Yeah. Not immediately, but I don't... I worry that... I worry that the older generation is really abdicating the responsibility. I think they're checking out. And I know we... And I don't think that's true for everybody. For sure. But I worry about it, because... When I think about the people in my kids' life that are older than us, that's, that's not very many, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I didn't get saved till I was 15, so I didn't grow up in the church, but I, I you know, and, you know, I grew up in a small town, and um, and my best experiences were on mission trips with guys who were not cool. Yeah. And, and <laughs> older ladies that were not cool. But, man, I because those experiences are going on, uh, you know, I went only went to camp a couple of times in high school just because I didn't get saved till I was fifteen. But um, I, I have I have distinct memory of like guys like Bill Dick. I remember, yeah, old Navy guy, and he had to been in his late seventies. And that mug would shake my hand. I almost buckled to my knees every Sunday morning. I was like, oh, Bill, and uh, and I remember that like he would hand me a hundred dollar bill quite often in a handshake. <laughs> Because he knew, I mean, he knew my family dynamics, and we were, yeah. we're, you know, we grew up pretty poor. I mean, even within worldly standards, uh, and that's a conversation from the time. But, but I, re- man, I remember Bill Dick, yeah, always like, you know, and not that it was, it wasn't about the money asked. It had nothing to do with that, yeah. But it was like he, he was involved in my life, yeah. And you know, and again, he wasn't cool. He wasn't, but man, by golly, he, he, it was intentional to, to come buckle my knees every time he shook my hand almost every Sunday when I was there. And so yeah. I, you know, being there and just him asking me questions about my life and then I get to know his wife and that, you know, just, yeah. there is something that for anybody listening that is, you know, of the older, whatever you want to classify 50, 60, 70, whatever, you know, yeah, like the church needs you. Oh, Absolutely. And, and and not only that, I mean, and not that like God, you know, God doesn't need us, but yet He wants to mobilize us to to care for each other. And so, what yeah. what, what would it look like? I mean, in my mind, I'm trying to envision the future. Like, let's say, you know, what would it look like if Bethel Church specifically? What, what if it was all these people who are retired and and had more time and more money on their hands? What what if what if we had more older folks running around than younger folks? I think to myself. That, that sounds like a biblical church to me. Oh, that would be the best. Like, that just sounds like, and I know the conversations are going to be different. Yeah. You know, and they're not going to know what TikTok is and all no. that kind of, and, and, and I don't think the student or the kid would care. Oh, no. You know, no. but, but I think the student or the child would remember, hey, so-and-so showing up every week and remembering my name and, you know, you know, give me candy or hugs or whatever it is. Yeah. Like it. Those are those are that's a relational connectability that I that I feel like people would kill to have. Yeah. 
not even as a kid or a student, but even an adult, I feel like, would would would, would go through drastic measures to have someone pour into their life like that. All right. Got a little preachy, sorry. No, I think it's true. I mean, I and I, yeah, no, I agree with you. If if we saw, if we saw more of, of a visible, I don't say elder involvement because that's going to inflame, but you know what I mean. More well, seasoned citizen involvement, right? Yeah, it yeah. Was, Just you know, any I don't know anybody above fifty or, yeah. or whatever you want to call it. Um, I mean, it's gonna yeah. feel weird because kids are weird. Not like if yes, I don't sir. naturally relate to them, like I don't think somebody sixty-five is. But the thing is, like these kids are worth it. Yeah. Right. What I mean, we're contending for the souls of our children. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, and I know it's kind of dramatic. Like I, you're all dramatic, Smith. Shut up. You know. No, but, no, I. But I you, agree. I, I just honestly think about it when 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 I started coming across how how our how our churches are losing numbers. Like this is reflective of a worldview problem. These these kids are are coming to a worldview, but it's not Jesus Christ and what and what he means for them. It's oh, maybe Jesus Christ is a good guy, maybe he's my friend, but is he savior? Yeah. That's that's yeah. different. It is. Right? And I don't know. I um uh, yeah, it would be awkward. It would be uncomfortable, but you know who did? How did Christ interact with children? He, he called them to his knee, and they were not valued in his world. Yeah, right? and, oh, you know man. what I mean. Yeah, they were they were chucked on the side of roads and oh, yeah. left there, and then Christians said, "We're not okay with this," and that, and then orphanage started. You know, and so yeah, what a what a history that Christians, you know, hundreds and thousands is hundreds and thousands of years ago have started. Yeah, I know. And, uh, it makes me think of a book I read one time where it just, I forget the name of it, but it, but it talked about like all these things that exist because Christians had a, had a sense of holy discontent, like oh, yeah. kids on the, left on the side of the roads that nobody wanted. So, the, you know, people in the church were like, by golly, we're not okay with that. Right. So the orphanages began and, yeah. and then hospitals. So all these things throughout history that have began organizations or, you know, that, yeah. that were founded on biblical principles because they valued other people and they valued the gospel transforming their lives. And I forget the name of the book, but just that was interesting for me to to grasp and understand. Oh, you can't explain the world without Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the way we see it today, even if even it gets pretty gnarly, but yeah, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. There, there's a, there's, I hear the word volunteer a lot in the context of church. I don't necessarily think that that's a, a horrible word to use, but but I think volunteering and serving are different, you know? And I even think scripture would, would would probably point more towards what does it look like for you to serve versus volunteer. And so what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, we, you brought that up and I hadn't thought about it, but after a while, you know, and I don't know if this is in line with what you were kind of, you had in mind. I mean, we serve, we serve Christ, right? We we serve each other, but we serve ultimately at, at, at Christ's joy, right? That's what yeah. that's what we're here to do. But I mean, it's it's important to like make sure that whatever we do as a church, a church family, is not easily replicated by just like going to the United Way and doing it or whatever. You know, yeah. I mean, I think there's something we can, you know, there's things we can do. Like people have needs; they need housing, they need food, they need clothes, and we should be meeting those for sure. We need to do this with an intent of not only am I motivated by the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's that I think should set the church apart. Like, yeah. you got a few minutes? Let me walk you through the book of John here. I know you don't want to hear it, but here you go. Yeah. I just gave you food. Whatever. I don't know. But yeah. I I don't know. I don't know if this is what kind of what you were thinking about with the question, but 
you know, we can volunteer for anything, and it's not a bad thing to do. Yeah. We serve Jesus Christ. We we do what he we feel he is compelling us to do. Yeah. Sometimes clearly directed by Scripture, but sometimes like areas like this where it's like I don't, yeah. and I'm not going to pretend to know God's call on my life. I think I might know. I don't really know, but I think this is the direction I need to go. I need to go help with kids, right? Yeah. And and so that's I think purposeful, purposeful work to spread to to spread the gospel. That's what we're called to do. Without exception, there's no spiritual gift to it. We go and make disciples. Like that's a directive for all of us. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, and I mean, that makes sense to me. I guess my heart and my thought between the word volunteer and serving is serving seems to be more biblical to me than, than volunteering. It seems to be more robust. No. And not only that, but it also has the, at the core of it is we, we, we don't serve to serve in and of itself. I mean, we do have spiritual gifts that the Lord has given us. And to my understanding, when I look at spiritual gifts, they're for, they're for the benefit and the edification of the church. Sure. They're yeah. not they're not to serve me specifically. There's a byproduct of that, but I primarily have the spiritual gifts the Lord's given me, and you have the spiritual gifts the Lord's given you, any believer does, to edify the church. Yeah. Not not myself. And so so I think the word serving conveys uh, that that the gospel is at the heart of what we are commanded to do, not the duty of just volunteering for something. And so that's kind of just what sticks in my mind when I think about sure. serving versus volunteering. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, what what has God taught you as you have served kids? You know, the last three years. And there's probably many things, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Or maybe it's taught the, taught you the fact that you don't understand kids, and I, even as a youth pastor, I I still feel like I do, I I'm all I feel like I'm just a, a student of students, and I always have to continue to learn about how do I continue to care for students because I just I, I feel like I'm never caught up on where they really are and understanding them fully. Yeah. Um, no, there's a yeah. I mean, it's been a learning experience, not only just in the like fundamentals of dealing with children. But just like what, like why, why are we even doing this, right? So we can't personally do anything to inoculate our children towards whatever woes they may face in life. Yeah. We can work to do that, but at the end of the day, Christ, or our children, our children may reject Christ, and and I and I think that's possible for any kid, whether they were yeah. raised in the church, yes, sir, or that I, you know, I don't think just spending time and putting in time. At the end of the day, God calls us to do this, and I think He calls us to work. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear. But you have to trust God that these children belong to Him, yeah, and that He will not abandon them, and that He will, you know, the Holy Spirit will constantly be in their life, turning them back to the Scripture that you hope got through to them yeah. at, at various points in their life. Like, you know, I don't, I don't think we do anything magic with these kids. We we expose them to Scripture. We just keep putting the Word of God in front of them. I think it's the Holy Spirit that will turn around and say, yeah. I, now, now I will do what I do. And you, like, I would love to see my children come to Christ, you know? I can't do anything about it. I can't, I can spend my way into poverty, but it doesn't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's, I think, the biggest thing. Um, having patience. Kids don't really care if you had a bad day. It's Wednesday. You got to have fun, right? Yes, sir. You know yes, mean? sir. And so uh, if you're going to show up to work, show up to work, yeah. right? Um, 
have fun with kids and you know there's a there's a lot of wednesdays and it usually gets worse around january february <laughs> i'm done with this and i'm about ready to drop kick some kid into the next room but <laughs> you know like it, it's just what you do you, you have to practice um and we know this from all other situations like too you just you just kind of you you practice acting the way you should i know that sounds kind of superficial but forcing yourself to not just justify your actions based on how you feel that day yeah you're here to serve kids yeah you're you know so so that's been that's been a thing to learn yeah but i often think to myself when i'm having a conversation if i if i express you know my struggles or whatever to a kid that's that's my burden to bear that's not theirs right like you know like now that's different if i'm in community and i'm expressing you know what's going on in my life with, with another brother or whatever whatever that's fine but like my burden uh does shouldn't it be affecting the the this kid or student that i'm trying to serve now i can yeah. be open and you know and so hey I, you know so they can know better who i am or whatever but that but my burden is to do all i can to care and love for, for that kid or student not for me to pass my yeah. burdens off onto no, them. For sure. There's other appropriate people to help pass burdens off to or for those burdens to be helped, helped right. to be carried. But um, there's a sense, I think, at times we need to leave yeah. things that are going on in our lives you know, at the door, so to speak. And and that doesn't mean that you forget it or that you're being lazy or complacent. But in the moment, you know, for this you know, hour and 45 minutes, I need to focus on the kids in front of me. Well, and two, like kids, kids return in their mind at least, if not – like they will, they will go back to the place where they felt loved, and you're not going to be creating that environment for them if you're like yeah. just kind of being a buzzard and like whatever, <laughs> yes, I don't, you know, get out of here. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Which is sometimes how I feel, pretty much most of the time. But you know, like, yeah. and we need to show them that we love the gospel, and we need to, you know, so not that you just entertain people to the gospel. That's not what I'm trying to say, but yeah kids in their mind will think about, oh, I remember, I remember young life. I remember church camp, man, they, you know, oh man, hey, there's my Bible. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know. You know what I mean? But, yeah. um, you, you kind of, you have to fake it till you make it basically. <laughs> if you're having a bad day, sorry, it stops at the door. You're going to have fun with kids because they need to be loved for this hour and a half. Yeah. Go home, deal with your grumpies later. I don't know. Uh, yes, sir. You got to set it to side, <laughs> you know, and, and love those in front of you. Yeah, I get it. How have you been blessed by serving kids? You know, there's an aspect where you're pouring out and, and they're receiving blessings, but but how have you been blessed by your time serving kids? Even though you would not say that you're crazy passionate about kids. I mean, really, because, you know, a lot of this stems out of just being being a parent, you know. I, I, I see this as really like an extension of what I'm trying to do for my kids, right? Yeah. I... I I want people to speak truth into my kids' life. I'm willing to do that to other kids, right? Yeah. But, you know, a lot of it is just, you know, I'm a, when you have kids, it changes your life. It's one of God's greatest blessings, right? Yeah. But then you realize, like, having kids, I think, is actually one of God's greatest mercies on you. I mean, and dealing with kids in a lot of ways, whether they're your own or they're other kids. Yeah. Like, you, and kind of what we were talking about earlier, like, you, they have needs, those needs need to be met and you have to learn to put yourself aside because you, you know, yeah. parents know this immediately with a newborn and that grows out, but you know, kids that come to youth group, they have needs, right? And you yeah. have to meet them. So that's been one of the things that has been really impressed upon me. Like what, 
being in the orbit of children will do to you. You you have to realize how to set yourself aside, especially if parents know this, but you, you extend that into how you interact with children yeah. in a youth ministry, right? So Yeah, for sure. I, I think the moment I had kids, I became a way better youth pastor. Yeah. Like way, I, I just, I was like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, yeah. or at least I understand it better. Not that I fully understood it all, but I understood it better. And, and it's like snaps you out of this mindset. You don't know that you just don't, like when you don't have kids, I want to go out to eat tonight. I will do that. I want to go take a vacation. Well, let's go do that. And my wife and I were like that. It yeah. wasn't bad, but you don't really know. Like we look back, like what do we think about? What do we do before we have kids? Like <laughs> I don't remember. And it's like we wouldn't we wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. Like all the time we had we had money we had time. Yeah. Oh, we would take days in with dirty diapers all the time. Now, but you you realize like God, thank you for snapping me out of this mindset that. All I had in, before me was satisfying my own desires. And that sounds very carnal, but it doesn't have to be. It's just, I get to focus on me. Yeah. And outside of my job obligations there, when you have kids, you realize what they need. And uh, it's like, I can say, it's one of God's mercies. He, he puts a kid in your life and you're like, oh, geez. <laughs> you know. No, for sure. It, it makes me think about... Allison and I, our children's director, we've been talking a lot about like child dedication and you know, and we kind of do it at church where we bring families up and it's not a biblical mandate that we do that. Ties and offerings or communion or discipleship uh, uh, um, involved in, physically involved in church. Like those are things that are commanded by God to yeah. do, very clearly commanded by God. So dedicating a child isn't like, it, there's no biblical mandate for right. it. Now there's examples of dedication. Yeah. Anyway, all that to say is we've been thinking about this quite a bit. Like, you know, we bring families up, you know, a couple times a year and we, uh, they, they share a Bible passage and, and express desire to dedicate their kids to the Lord that they, that, and, and then there's an aspect where we encourage the church family. Hey, like, you know, you're invited in this process and it's not the, you know, I, I think it's, in, it's somewhat intentional. We're trying to, to express value for, to parents to raise their kids, to honor the Lord and live for the Lord. And eventually Lord one, they'll make a decision to put their faith and trust in Christ. And we're also trying to encourage the church to be a part of that process. Um, so we, we Alice and I think a lot about this. And so I guess the point I'm trying to make is I think it, I think families need to find the time to think about who should we invite to intentionally be in this process of intentionally pouring into our kids or students. And what would that look like if they're, cause you're right. Like you want other godly spiritual influences in the life of your kids and students. I think every, every family would, if anything, I, I hear it all the time. Lucas, can you please reach out to my son? He just needs somebody who, Needs yeah. a father figure, or hey, is there a lady you know that can reach out to my daughter? She needs a mother figure. You know, I mean, I could go on and on and on. How many hundreds of times that parents have have said something along those lines to me, and so it just it makes me think it would be worth families taking the time to say, okay, God, who should we invite to be able to genuinely speak into our lives and our kids' lives yeah. for the sake of them having other people who are in their corner, yeah, and pushing them to understand and to pursue Christ in their life. Well, that's a big step, though, in the Christian life, though, to realize, I mean, we did the child dedication thing, well, whatever, you know, it's just because what's what you do, right? Yeah. You know, not really thinking, not really being what it probably should be, which is a, an appeal to the church, like, here's thing number one here that we got in our arms, right? 
Can you help us? Because we can't do this alone spiritually, right? We need all of you. And, and I think the church should be responding with, yeah, you know, I was in a church where, um, they would all raise their hands in prayer and sing, uh, numbers six, 24 through 26 or whatever that was, you know, Okay. may the Lord bless you and keep you. And it was a very sweet thing, you know, you hope like we're not just singing it. We're actually building this as a mentality, but you know, like I was saying, like it's a, that's a big step actually to get to the point where you realize you need mentorship. Yeah. You need discipleship fed into you. Yeah. I think as a church, you know, and kind of what we were talking about with the older generation, get involved, get involved in the youth, make yourself visible. Because the thing is like, I'm sure there's people that would be willing to mentor young families. Yeah. I'm sure there's families that need it, but they don't know they need it. Yeah. I think sure. Kim and I have come to this point where it's like, you know, fortunately I think we have people in our life now God will bless you. If you need mentorship, you'll find somebody. Yeah. But I think part of that is being being available, being a visible figure. The churches are so big these days that I don't, you know what I mean? If we're all relying on, not to say like this, but the professional Christians, right? The paid, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, it's, it would be very, it's a very tough job, right? But But there are people who know their Bible and can speak into their experience as a godly parent. Yeah. And... I just think if you're visible within children's ministry, like you might be able to establish those relationships and people might feel comfortable saying, well, you know, yeah. you, you've been hanging around here. Like, you want to meet with, you know, my little Johnny here? Well, I don't know, whatever, yeah. but yeah. No, I'm I what fears or hesitations do you have about serving kids or, or did you have that, you know, I'm just be curious. Cause it, I mean, there's, there's a fear of the unknown, so to speak, when you yeah. jump into something. And so what fears or, or hesitations did you have when, when it came to serving kids? I'm just flat out, not a patient person. <laughs> and I don't understand these things. Like they, you know, like, like, why can't you just pay attention? Like we're trying to do this Bible study. Can you just, can you shut your mouth? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, that's not probably the best way to handle a child, <laughs> children's ministry, right? I would agree. Um, I would agree. It. So it's stuff yeah. like that. I mean, I just, um, I know that I'm not naturally comfortable with children and kind of rolling with the punches, but that gets better. That gets easier. Yeah. Um, and understanding, like, you know, I didn't know for a full year that kids need to fidget. I didn't know that stuff. They're right? just because they're drawing or yeah. does not mean they're not listening. Yeah. You know, and is that what you mean by like, fidget oh, yeah. Or just, yeah. No, I got spanked with a spoon and I just figured their mom didn't spank them with a spoon. Right. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, that, uh, <laughs> that, it may not be the reason why they need to fidget, you know? No, I, I mean, so there's there's that stuff. It's just knowing myself and yeah, knowing, you know, could I handle getting into a kid's world and getting on their level? And it gets easier. Um, yeah. You know, you get, you get to a certain age where you just don't really care if people think you're weird. And I think I'm getting there because that didn't really bother me. Yeah. And I think some people are probably still afraid of that. Kids are intimidating. Oh, man, and, I... But yeah. So what? They're going to think you're weird. Like that's, you know, you got nothing to lose. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I was reminded of that today. I, I went, I was blessed to be able to, uh, third through sixth grade chapel at Park Christian today, just a little 15 minute yeah. Devo or whatever. And I'm walking to the schools and, and, you know, and, and even me, I mean, I've been hanging out with students, you know, been doing, been doing it 14 years or something like that. And they're, High school students intimidate me. Yeah. You know, middle school is not so much. They make me feel like a super, super, like super stud. Like yeah. they make me feel like I'm, I'm the best and coolest guy in the world. I love yeah. watching as I was standing there and there's fifth, uh, third, fourth, and fifth and sixth grade students that I knew from church that were kind of, they're like, 
waving at yeah, me. Yeah. You know, I feel like a superstar in high school. You know, it it's intimidating even yeah. for me. And so I've got to, there's some internal debacle things that I got to work through and set aside or whatever and be like, okay, I need to do what I can here to love this student in front of me or whatever. And so it, it can be intimidating. I mean, yeah. I've been doing it for 14 years professionally or whatever that even means, but just, and I haven't figured it all out and it's, it's still intimidating to me yeah. much of the time. And so, um, we, you know, we hinted a little bit, we didn't necessarily use the word multi-generational, but, but the older generation serving younger, like what, how would you, what, if if, there, if we were, I don't know, if we had every person that was 50 years old all the way up until 100 that were sitting in the room with this, what, how would you encourage them or to, to spur them on? And not to, and, I, and I'm not, as, I'm not saying that everybody over 50, none of them serve. That's not, that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is we want to do all we can and, and we value the older generation being heavily involved in the lives of kids and students. Yeah. And so if they were all here, you know, all of our Bethel, you know, 50 and above, what, 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 what charge would you give them? You know, and I say this cause I want to be uh, respectful of the idea that God may not call them to children's ministry. For sure. Absolutely. But I would say, and, and this has been something that's been really put on my mind uh, because it's not easy. Yeah. Um, find yourself, put yourself in a position where, like a position where you have to articulate your faith. It's one thing to receive it. Mm. It's one thing to you know have the gospel taught to you, yeah. but to to have to disciple, that's a scary thing. That's a really intimidating thing. And to share the gospel with somebody, you know, I don't know what, like how many how many per- people go through their life. It's like a single digit percentage will live and die claim the name of Christ, but yet have never shared their faith. It's, it's incredibly small number. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying I get this figured out. I haven't, it's incredibly intimidating to me, Yeah. but whether children's ministry is the easiest way to do it because they think you're weird anyway. So just get in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. we need them. But I would say for anybody who considers themselves being involved, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but just examine your situation. Are you in a situation where you are you are verbally sharing the gospel, articulating your faith, yeah. discussing it, That's good. discipling? Because I, I think God calls us to do that. Yeah, we need to be discipled. We also need to disciple. And I think you know, it's easy. It's easy in our church today with so many, with so much talent, with so with so many people. I'm not saying our church, but our church has a broad like yeah in our yeah. in our world today. We can find niches that we can hide and say, well, I'm, I'm really good at like putting cream cheese on bagel yeah. and I'm good at serving. There you go. Got it done. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to judge and write people off or doing things that are needed. But when, when I have been in situations where I'm like, I, I actually need to explain why, why do I hold to this faith? Yeah. What is it? And how would I walk somebody through the gospel? Um, it's scary. Yeah. It will change you. It's also incredibly exciting. Yeah. Like to, to realize you're you're actually passing on the gospel. Whether they receive it or not, it's not your problem. Yeah. But Amen. um I don't know. It's it's actually pretty exciting to be a part of something like that, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. And and I think <clears throat> uh the la- the latest research, and not that research is is always right or whatever, and but you know the average person comes to church you know every three once every three weeks yeah so, something like that two point eight or whatever what every three weeks and and I don't mean this in any way to be to be condemning or anything like that but I think to myself if I want to fight for relationships and if I want to 
I want to have the opportunity to advance the gospel in other people's lives, I think a legitimate question to ask is, is the best way for me to do that is if I show up every three weeks? Hmm. And I don't, there's zero condemnation in that question. It, it's just, and I'm not, uh, I'm just trying to be vulnerable in a sense. And I, and I don't have anybody in mind as I say yeah. that or anything, but just, I think it's legitimate for us to ask, like, well, it's fair if you see the church going as as a whole going that way, not just ours, but yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and I think to myself, well, if we want relationships, if we want to know other people, <clears throat> if we want other people to know us, then maybe we could have that or expedite that if we show up more often. And I don't mean show up in a sense you show up because you could easily show up and not get to know anybody. I mean that that's. <clears throat> clear and obvious for many people, you could do that. Yeah. You got to be intentional. And so my, yeah. so what does it look like for somebody to say, hey, I want to be extremely intentional. I want to take extreme ownership in helping disciple other people and point them to Jesus. Yeah. What's the best way to do that? Yeah. And and I, I think the, the scripture gives us uh, more than enough biblical truth to be able to do that. Yeah. And, uh, and so I pray our hearts would, would have a desire to be obedient to what the Lord would sure. us to do. For sure. Um, well, just a, uh, a couple more things here before we wrap up our time. But, you know, <clears throat> my generation, I'm barely a millennial. I was born in 87. I'm barely a millennial, I think. <laughs> um, my, See, I'm, a, I'm a geriatric millennial, but don't ever say that to my face. What does that even mean? So I'm born in 82, right? So I'm on the very edge of what the millennials <laughs> are, but I identify and have lived with Gen Xers. So Interesting. we're, yeah, we're kind of a weird demographic because we, we have seen and lived in the world with wall phones and moved to dial up modem <laughs> and can survive in a world of iPhones and all this kind of connectivity garbage. Yeah. So we like span so many different transitions. That is true. And so the term is a geriatric millennial, but that is so um, funny. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, and this was kind of a, and I'm not saying every millennial was this, but there was kind of a general theme that many fit into where, where the millennial generation was like, if I don't see value in what I do um, for work, then I'm just not going to do that. Yeah. So there was this component um, where they would be willing to take jobs, less money, um, you know, or maybe, but, but it was, they were a part of something bigger than them, them bigger than themselves was a phrase that was often said. And for me personally, I, I, I feel that I could genuinely do about any job. And I don't think it's the job that, you know, that, that I, that gives me financial, you know, means or whatever. It's not the job that gives me the purpose. It's the fact that I get the opportunity to live out the gospel in that job. Yeah. But that's not always the case. And even for you, like, you're you're serving in an area that was unexpected and not even really necessarily a passion even. No. But yet you're willing to show up and to pour into kids because you see that you value them enough that that your desire to uh the value of caring for them, discipleship, seeing a need, showing up on a consistent basis in their lives, those values are much more important than if this is something you're passionate about. And that's not how most people are wired. Yeah. So speaking of that a little bit, because it, it's super, because I'm wired that way, and I, I, I've seen that in you too, and so I'm intrigued. Yeah, I, I it's tough because, you know, I, I'll tell you that children aren't my passion. I, when I think of passion, I think, well, what's my interest, right? Well, yeah. my interest is homemade pizza dough and whatever. Definitely yeah. not kids, but but you just, you'd see, I don't know, there's, 
it's an intangible sense that there's this is where the house is on fire. Yeah. And I, and I think there's just some things where we none of us really deserve the luxury of saying I'm going to do what I'm comfortable with. Yeah. Right? When there's such a great need. Now, it'd be one thing if children's ministry, youth ministry was coming around saying, "We have too many volunteers. Can you guys go away?" Yeah. But that's not what's happening. Mm-hmm. And it's not what's happening to our youth in the country. I don't know how we could ever hope for God's blessing if we don't see the the unique position that God placed for children. Yeah. You know what I mean? God calls us to be faithful, not to be successful or enjoy what we're doing. He calls us to be faithful and he'll give us joy yeah. in that. And I I do get a stirring in my heart when the kids are presented the gospel. I'm like, man, like this isn't it's it doesn't get old. It's a story we can hear every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I mean you look at how Christ interacted with children. He, he, he went to a little girl who died, and you know we read the text, and it's like, "Wake up, little girl." Well, that I don't think that's what he said. Like I think he, yeah, I think he whispered, you know, like a way a dad would. I forgot the word. It was a Aramaic term, but it was like a dad would, you know, wake up, sweetheart, get up. Yeah. This is the same Jesus Christ whose eyes are like fire in the book of Revelation, who yeah. doesn't even carry a sword. He just speaks and renders the world under his control. Yeah. That's terrifying. But then he holds children in this place where he says, the kingdom of, of, of him belongs to them. Yeah. And so I think there's just like, we can say what we like to do. Not all of us work in jobs we're even passionate. We're just doing it because we have to eat. For sure. Yeah. God calls us to be faithful. He's not calling us to achieve self-actualization through yeah. our work. We, we are to be faithful to him. He will give us the joy when we pursue what he wants us to do. I believe that. Yeah. Um, and so I don't, I don't necessarily think that you have to say, okay, what am I good at? What do I like? Fill in the box here. That's where I'm going to go in the church. I don't think we have the luxury of doing that. Yeah. Um, that's my little thing. But <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, if, 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 if it just so happens that you're passionate about it, like that's great. wonderful, it's a blessing. It's yeah. not bad or wrong, but, I think there are situations in the church universal today that don't allow us the luxury to say, great, that's needed, not for me. Sorry. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I would would agree, my friend. I agree. How can we be praying for you, those listening, and, you know, um, how how can people be praying for you and your family? Uh, Like I said, I was voted most likely to fight a camper, so pray that I don't fight a kid. I do feel the need to say I am not worried that that Brad Smith is going to fight a kid. I'm just um, to be clear, but I mean, I think I could probably tell you what a lot of parents would sit here. Maybe you'd echo yourself, like you know, you you asked me to be on this podcast to talk about like serving in an area where I've been open, open, and honest about like I'm not really nuts about kids, but yeah, here we go, like. If I got one thing about the gospel right, like I got 50 more things wrong. Like I think your audience needs to know this. Like yeah. this isn't, hey, look at Brad. Yeah. I mean, the fundamentals of the Christian life are hard. Like God imputes his righteousness to us if we ask for forgiveness through Jesus Christ, yeah. but he demands that we forgive. So when am I going to figure that one out? Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm still waiting. It's been, you know years that some people are living rent-free in my head, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. <laughs> so it's just stuff like that where it's like, there should be no illusion here that I have anything about the Christian life figured out. Like, we're still called to be faithful to this book. 
and the God behind it yeah. and, and to lead our families that way and pray for our families. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if, you know, I'm sure a lot of parents would feel the same. Like I got to, you know, we're, we're tired all the time. And to be able to have a spiritual mindset to lead your family that way, like when you're, you know, I don't want to open the Bible. I'm tired. I, I didn't sleep much last night. Okay. Yeah. You have to do it. You have to show up and do it. Cause you know, uh, if, if you're not leading your kids in scripture and if you're not praying for kids, your kids, who's going to do it? Yeah. Who in their life will pray for them and lead them towards the truth if, if you're a parent? So I would, I'm sure every parent out there would be like, probably agree. Like, we just energy. Energy and, and discernment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that we could, we could lead our families and, and, and know where God calls us. You know, I don't know his call, you know. <laughs> but, so that would be the biggest thing. Okay. But sure well brad appreciate you being on and thanks for having me having the conversation thanks for joining us for this episode of the house on fire podcast our prayer is that this podcast activates your home for jesus may the light of christ burn bright through you and yours until next time